Welcome to The Creative Grid, the podcast for creative entrepreneurs who are hungry to have more impact, make more money, and become successful in every area of life. I'm your host, Nelson, and your journey to mastering life and business begins in three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Creative Grid Podcast. We're just going to dive straight into it. I'm extremely excited about this episode. Today, we have one of my best mates. He's actually been in the podcast previously. Is episode four. It'll be linked down below. So if, if you're new to our guest today, go watch that first and then come back here. But our guest is the owner, the founder, the CEO of Blue Media House. Please welcome brother Guillaume Cornet. How are you, brother? I'm good. Thanks for making me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming for a second round to the creative grit. So on our first episode, we spoke about your story. We spoke about you know, what you have done to get to grow Blue Media House, a lot of value-based pricing, how to price video work. So this episode is highly relevant to filmmakers, videographers, creative entrepreneurs, or anyone trying to grow a video production business. So again, go back to episode four if you want to dive in a little bit in the basics and some really cool stuff that we talked about. It was uh, almost a two-hour episode and I re-listened to it today. I'm like, Damn, there was a lot of value jam-packed in less than two hours. We have we have come a long way. So yeah, today we're gonna dive even deeper some of these things and try to catch up with what's happening for both of our businesses. So Guillaume, last year was the best year so far for Blue Media House. What changed? Wow, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Um, in one word, everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In a nutshell, everything. Uh, like on the short version or the long yeah. version? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been it's been um, a very interesting twelve months, starting starting last year, exactly a year ago, actually. Like we were, like I was in a very different position, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> I think redefining what running a video pre production business was is the main thing that happened over the past year. Mm -hmm. um, having to be very humble in a way that, well, I didn't know as much as I thought I did. <laughs> and I still don't think I know much, but I know a lot more. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, like redefining a bit the the knowledge of Hey, I thought I was good at sales. Mm. I was one of those we talked about yesterday. Yeah. I thought I was crushing it because oh, like every every few clients that calls us, like pretty much, I was converting them into into a client in the, from the prospect to the client, and uh, realizing that actually that was a very very small minority of people that were reaching out to us. And now, after having done like a few months of sales, realizing that wow, there is a lot more to it. And so we can, like, there are so many topics. Sales is one, I think, redefining sales for the business. Um, I think really identifying bottlenecks in 
I think I think it's important to like put the context in. It's like Blue Media House or any video production business, our businesses. What do we want to do? We want to grow the business mm -hmm. and and scale and eventually, you know, be able to make a living and be profitable with it, right? And how do you do that? You can make better videos. You can make um, better color grading. Color grading. You can do the best sound effects. You can do all those small technical things like the best videos. But is it what's going to define you as a successful and growing production uh, video production agency? Um, I don't think so anymore. I thought so in the past, and now I'm, I'm thinking that well, uh, there is a lot more to it. And how do you grow? You need to first have clients to be able to produce videos and make money of it, right? Uh, but how do you get clients? Mm -hmm. uh, like that's the starting point. And when you get clients through the door, how do you? Sorry, how do you get prospects through the door? Once you get the prospects, how to get them as clients? Mm -hmm. Is yeah, it's it sells. And and that's the bottleneck. If you can't sort out your sales, well, there is nothing happening. No matter how good your videos are, mm -hmm. and you can't really scale. So I think, I think yeah, to answer like broadly, and then we can dive mm -hmm. in any of those topics mm -hmm. if you want. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, lo love it. And that word, I think it really summarizes what happened last year for both of our businesses and mm -hmm. some of our close friends as well. And it was redefining what owning a video production or a podcast agency actually means and really putting the entrepreneur business owner hat and understanding, okay, yes, I'm a creative. Yes, this this is what we do for people. Mm -hmm. We're creative problem solvers. At least that's how, how I basically describe myself. I'm a creative problem solver, a creative entrepreneur. But the creativity has to go mainly into how do we grow this business? And that's very different to, oh, did, did we get good lighting for our shots? Did we get, you know, good camera mm -hmm. gear and all these things that actually doesn't grow a business. It's just part of the product that you're offering and some to some level as well, customer experience. But uh, before getting started, I want to give a shout out to our boy Flynn because I asked on Instagram um, if you guys had any questions to for Guillaume and myself, and he just said, I want the secret to being so handsome, and does it help the conversation? <laughs> so, G, what's the secret to being so handsome? <laughs> uh, uh, I have no answer. <laughs> uh, Flynn, you just like... <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, you made him blush. Look at that. Shout out to you, uh, brother Flynn. Yeah, he even cut his hair yesterday, and I saw I saw him yesterday. I'm like, damn, nice haircut. He's like, yeah, I have an important event today. I'm, what do you have? He's like, the podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> um, there is a question here. They, a lot of people ask kind of similar questions, and there was one person that basically summarized everything, but... This is an additional question to that one. And is, I want to become a digital nomad and create content as a freelancer while traveling. This question by us, uh, was by Isa GA21. So what is your response to that? I have my opinion mm -hmm. I can share. I, I did live for a few weeks at a time, mm -hmm. basically being a travel influencer. And I, it was very early on 
in the video production business, I'd say I realized that it was a path that was plausible. That was, you can make a living of this. You can travel the world. And what, what's the question exactly? Like how to do it or? She didn't uh, like specifically ask, but I'm guessing she wants to know how do I make this happen? Because mm. she wants to become a digital nomad and create content as a freelancer while traveling. So I'm guessing her question will be around like, how do I make this happen? Absolutely. The first thing I would start with is because let's assume you start from scratch. You've got nothing, okay? Like we are going, uh, I need to make an assumption to see because everyone's journey is going to be different. Mm. That's one thing, but the starting point as well is different for everyone. Mm. So uh, for, for my for my case, I already had a video production agency kind of a company running more like as a solo, like freelancer, free, uh, videographer, right? Mm. Uh, so I had some things to show, like my real estate work um, as a freelancer and so I add a portfolio. I think the first step that you want to do, no matter what, is reach out to the places, mm -hmm. right? So and show your portfolio and say, hey, listen, like if I come to your place, uh, maybe try to go during like dance seasons when they don't have many people and they mm -hmm. have like rooms available and say like, listen, I'm going to film a, a video of your place and you go by yourself and you film yourself or you film the place uh, or whatever you think of and that you can... It always comes down to the same thing. How can you provide value? Like that's the thinking you want to have. Like how can you pro provide value to a place so that they are going to either give you a place for free or eventually the next level is pay you for it, which is eventually what you want to get. Uh, otherwise you can't sustain that lifestyle. Even if you get accommodation and food for free, like you'll still be able, you still have to pay your, your you know, plane travels and eventually potentially like, you know, make a living of this. So starting that, like very humble, like places offering to work for free in exchange of the accommodation for one week mm. or for a few days. Um, that's how I got started. And we, we I, I, I used to do that. Uh, I did that in Bali, lived three weeks, not mm. paying uh, one accommodation and, and food for three weeks, pretty much. And fully, um, so not, not having expenses, just on the back of content that we were creating uh, on those places. So I, I think that's where kind of you want to start in terms of um, sustainability it's where you need to be very smart as soon as you start creating a portfolio of content you need to be able to leverage that so that you can show that to the next places how did you provide value to those places and how can you provide value to them and keep creeping up you know mm. like the ladder in the value that not only you deliver but as well that you receive in exchange so at, the at first yeah it's going to be a free night and then it's going to be a free night plus food. And then it's going to be a, a week free plus food. And then it's going to be a free week plus food plus you're going to get $1,000, $2,000 going up the ladder as you grow. It's, it's, it's really what it is. It's not thinking, how oh, can I get something for free and make a video? Well, anyone can make a like have a video. Why would the hotel or the place or the, the tourism agency that you're working with would not hire someone instead of himself like losing potentially money from uh, you know booking mm. someone uh, and and having a, a paid customer. So that's mm. really up to this. Um, thinking like a businessman very early on, educating yourself on business is like I think it's so underrated mm. in that world. Thinking mm. oh you get free stuff, well mm. that's cool, except it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. After like. It was really cool. I did it for, for weeks at a time. And like, yeah, like I haven't paid anything. It's amazing. And, but I still had to pay for my camera gear and came back with, came with you know, 10, 15,000. And, 
dollars worth of gear with a drone, a camera, a lens to make it look good. And eventually you've got more than one person. You might need to have talents as well in those videos. So there are like lots of expenses to take into account and you have to think, okay, can I make that? Always think about it. Like, can I do that for a long time? If you just want to travel for a few months, it's totally possible. So I reckon, yeah, starting with this, reaching out and then thinking, I think another tip is not giving up after the first person saying no. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you, it's like any sales process, you receive a lot of rejection and a lot of places are going to say, no, we are not interested. Well, that's where you keep trying. You can get a list of, like I'm talking hotel because it's an easy one to, to, to relate to. Um, but you can get a list of 100 hotels and send them a personalized email to each one of them and telling them, how can I provide value to you? And keeping the door open. And eventually someone, one is going to say yes. Well, once you've got your foot in the door, it's much easier for the next time. So that's that's the idea, and uh, that's how I would start. Eventually, if you've got a success rate of you know five, ten percent on those one hundred leads that you call contacted, well, like you know, you can scale this and go like to the best, and and keep creeping up the scope pretty much. I hope that answers the question. I love I love the answer. I love the answer. I completely agree with everything you said. I would just add a couple of things to that. One being, be sure that you want to do this. Because I know how it is. It sounds super sexy. I want to be a travel influencer, blah, blah, blah. I want to get paid to travel around the world. It's very hard. There is a lot of competition. It is a saturated market. You need to find ways to stand out. Like G said, you have to find a way to make it sustainable for you because traveling is not cheap. You can make it cheap. But if you're traveling with expensive gear, expensive stuff, you won't want to stay on the very cheap places because you're running the risk of everything being stolen. Can you replace it? Like there's several things that you have to keep into account. Which countries are you going to travel to? Some countries, you know, will be more dangerous than others. So there is a lot of complexity to that specific role. But I know because we have both been in there. You see the, you know, travel influencers, the small amount of them that have made it. And it seems so sexy. You know, like, oh, yeah, look at this guy traveling everywhere all the time. You need to have a goal before you define that that's actually something you want to do, which is what I did. And probably you did to an extent as well. It was years ago when I first came to Australia, almost eight years now. I saw these people, like most people, I got excited. I'm like, oh, I want to do that so badly. Invested in my camera gear, all this stuff. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try this thing. And I loved it. But then you start learning about the reality of it. You know, traveling with 20 kilos worth of thousands of dollars of gear. And you need to capture the really cool moments because no one wants to see you on the plane. People want to see you at the top of the mountain, at the bottom of the waterfall. They want to see you on the wave, on the on the mental wide wave. How do you get there <laughs> with all that gear, making sure you capture the shots, making sure that to an extent you also become present too and, and you're not just, you know, the moments are not passing through and you're making sure that you, you're capturing all these things. So it is a job. It is not just a lifestyle thing, how how it is perceived. It is a ton of work, especially if you want to make it sustainable. Like, like you're saying, if you want to make serious money out of it, it's going to take a long time, just like 
any business. You're going to have to reach out a lot to a lot of businesses. You're going to get a lot of rejection. A lot of people won't be interested in the free content because guess what? They have 10 more people aligned offering the free services. So you're going to have to find ways to basically stand out for those people like G was saying as well, if you can speak the language of the customer, and what I mean by that is if you can really understand what they actually need, what they're craving for from the content, they don't want just videos and nice photos. They want a specific result. If you can understand what that result is, let's say for a boat is actually selling off their tours. They have a specific tour that is the most profitable to a specific island, but they can get to sell it. If you can find out that information and then help them understand how your content will help them sell more of those tours, well, you're going to be way more likely to either get an opportunity for free or potentially actually getting paid to do the thing. And the one last tip that I I will give to that is 100%, if you want to make it work right now, niche down on it. So define what exactly type of travel content you want to do. That could be just reviewing hostels and you become the travel hostel girl. And basically, it you create that reputation and you embody that on your content. So every hostel is going to want to have you because they're like, oh, yeah, she has reviewed 50 hostels. So of course, I want to be in those reviews. And of course, you know, I will give her accommodation and free food and offer a great experience to get a better review. So same if, if you want to do boats, same thing. So then just commit to do travel content, both related kind of thing. So niching down will be extremely powerful instead of just jumping around and be like, today I'm gonna be doing a boat trip and then, or pick a, a specific country. Maybe you become known for the specific country travel go-to person kind of thing. So that's kind of so, some of my take and from experience, what I think I would do if I, if I really wanted to succeed in that specific area. Now, I have a question for you before we jump, because this one is a bit connected uh, to a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about. Three mistakes that you made when you first got started. So let's say first started, meaning the first year of your video production business, first to second year of your video production business. Yeah, the, the one that comes straight to my mind is thinking that doing good videos, like good quality, good looking, having the best gear, shooting in 4K with mm. the best lenses, the best filters, and making the best looking videos were <clears throat> going to be everything. Mm. Mistake number one. Mm. Um, I think mistake number two is not taking seriously my education around the business side of things, thinking I could wig it, thinking I could, thinking that I could do everything myself, everything in the business, but as well do it better than other like companies, agencies that had been doing it for a longer time. However, like nuances, nuancing that is that when I got started, when we got started in 2016 was the beginning of like that ramp up in video content for social media, which means without knowing we can land it at that moment in time at the bottom and everything grew alongside. Um, but that helped. But once everyone jumped on the train, it started becoming a bit harder. Oh, you've got so much competition, no matter how good you're. Mm. So 
understanding the business side, education around the business side of things. I've got a few more. <laughs> it's going to be hard to pick one. Thinking too small. I think that's one I want to say. It's made like there are others, but I think that's one I want to mention here today is having that limiting belief that you can only do achieve so much. Uh, for me, that was a big thing. I knew I would be su successful making videos, but when I think about it now, it's incredible like the different the the difference that there is in between the goals and the objectives I had at this time. Thinking I, that was the best, mm. and what I'm thinking now, the best I could be, the best I could do. I I love that, especially the last one. Thinking small, we're always guilty of that one. At the beginning, and even when when we keep growing, I'm pretty sure in a year time compared to today, we'll be like, "Wow, we were not really still pushing the boundaries of what we thought it was possible, right?" So, I I I like those three that you that you selected. We we did learn last year, if you remember, when we went to that workshop uh, where Crystal was running that workshop yeah. in Brisbane, right? Um, the the way he started his, his workshop was defining the word humble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. And that has stuck in my mind. I always thought I had to be humble. Yeah. Mistake. What's the definition of humble? Do you remember it? Of course. Having a low opinion of oneself. And and I think it's all connected. Yeah. 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 And I and and this is kind of like a side because this is more towards mindset stuff. But one one thing I've learned, and we have talked about it so many times, uh, is really not being scared to say I'm the best at what I do. I've, and, and especially when you have proof of it. Because sometimes you can tell where someone has already some level of proof that they're really good at something and they still go because they've been taught when it, since they were very young, like, oh, don't don't say aloud that you're that good. People won't like that. Or, you know, people are going to talk bad about you, so stop doing that. That was at least for, for myself back home. You weren't, it was never allowed to really say to people, I'm really good at this thing. It was, it was never looked as something nice to say these days i'm like yeah when someone asks me i'm the best i'm literally the best when it comes to video podcasts there's no one out there that is better than us we are the best options for our clients because i also have proof of that and the more i see what people are doing out there and this is another subject that we could potentially get into and is uh, contractors and just independent freelancers, filmmakers, and even other video production businesses. Man, they, the standards that people have are so fucking low. I swear, I have had so many people, you have had a lot of people as well, to help on jobs, to come assist, to do BTS, sometimes to do some, some of the main roles. Man, the standards that people have for the creation of content are shit. I, I swear, and I'm so hard on my team with the little things and all the stuff, you know, like, oh, let's make sure that, you know, the microphones are on, that we're shooting with the right shutter speed, that the ND is not cracked all the way to the end so we don't get that chromatic aberration, like little things like that. And yes, the client won't know. No one will know. Maybe Guillaume will know. And, and some of my uh, uh, fellow, you know, video production business owners. But I know. I know we dropped the standard. 
And that's that's enough for me to go and see, no, we're not dropping the ball because that's the difference between greatness and average. Mm -hmm. Is the people that are willing to do the extra mile, even if no one will notice. I can't remember, the, the, I listened to a podcast from uh, the CEO and founder of Airbnb. And he says something, I, I need to find that phrase because it was so relevant and it resonated so much with me. And he was explaining people that, you know, we fix things and we go and do things to the highest level, even if no one will notice. It doesn't matter because we know. We know that we could have done better. That's the way. It, and I was like, that's, that's how high level people think. I'm not wrong. I'm not sounding crazy for that. No, I'm not being too hard. That's how it is. If you want to be great at something, if you want to dominate, you have to take yourself to the highest level. And that means paying attention to even the tiny things, you know, like, like the little things, the way you carry yourself, the way you set up when you're with a client, the way you communicate with your client afterwards, the way you make sure that all your settings are dialed in, your white balance, everything. You know, so that's one thing I've realized. The more I go out there, the people have very low fucking standards. They don't care. They don't give a fuck. Yes, the client doesn't notice. I know, but is is that enough for you to not do it kind of thing? And obviously you have to be careful not get to a place where you don't deliver the work because it's not perfect. It will never be perfect. It's not about that. CrossFit as a word that also relates to this virtuosity which basically means always striving to be the best that you can be, striving for perfection, knowing that you will never achieve it. It's one thing that I loved about CrossFit when I got my CrossFit training uh, L1, they taught us that, that that's what CrossFit message is based about kind of thing. So yeah, tangent, but I, someone had to say it. Raise your fucking standards, because if you want to succeed in this industry, you fucking need to care for the work that you're doing for your clients, and it is important work. This is something that I was explaining to uh, my team recently, just celebrating, you know, some of the achievements and stuff we did on in last year. Still, the work that we do is extremely important. Just think of it like the people that come to you for your video services, for your podcast services or whatever, they all have big missions, right? They all are trying to change or help the world in their own way. We serve them as be, by being vehicles for them to get that message to hundreds of thousands, millions of people to help people to understand their values, to help people invest in their products, their services, their courses. The work we do is extremely important. We're being the vehicle for all these people and businesses and experts, entrepreneurs. So you better be a freaking Lamborghini or a G-Wagon. Don't be the fucking Toyota, you know, <laughs> or the Holden. <laughs> so yeah, someone had to say. <laughs> now, the question that I asked you before was the three mistakes that you made on your first year of, of business. Now leads me to the next one, which is what are the three mistakes that you did last year that was the best year you have ever had for your business if you have to nail down the three most important mistakes you did last year for your video production business what are they it was an interesting year because last year exactly a year ago from recording this podcast today i personally was in a very very different situation like day and night on a personal level and from a business perspective to I think to give a bit of context, between the months of 
January to, I would say April, we turned over less than $10,000 in four months. And that was really scary. <laughs> I was very, uh, I was questioning a lot of things. I wasn't sure I wanted to run a video operation business anymore, to be honest, at the beginning of the year, because how would I provide for my family with $10,000? So I think my mistake was to wait too long and think I could fix it by myself before taking heavier action. It took me four months four to five months to realize, you know what, I need to go all in on something and try something. Is it going to work or it's not going to work anywhere? I'm at the bottom. I can't go any lower. Would say mistake number one. Yeah, not going, not picking a direction straight from the beginning. As soon as I, after two months of like low revenue for the business, I should have jumped and like taken a direction and just go all in on this. That's number one, because otherwise you just stay like in limbo somewhere, not making any decision, just like freaking out even more about what should I do? What should I say? Like, what should I, I, I literally, I literally applied, started doing the application for being a Uber driver. If you remember, mm. I went, I did the medical certificate. I, pen, I spent money on that. I was, I'm going to do this. Like that was that low. So number one, number two, thinking that I could do everything myself. As we got some jobs, it took me a few months to understand that I had to shift my mindset. So like being still thinking like I'm a solopreneur, I can do everything myself. You can only go so far, mm. you know, you can go fast when you're by yourself. <laughs> like that saying is so true. We will be going much farther with like the right team and surrounding myself with the right people earlier would have saved me a lot of trouble. Number three. I'll say it for you because I know it's going to make you happy, but it's maybe not selling my red camera. <laughs> not, not selling it. Not selling it. Why? <laughs> um, because it's not a rational investment for the business in a way that we are not making money of it. So to give a bit of context, like I'm talking about a Red Raptor. It's like a $50,000 kid. Insane camera. Best camera ever. I love it. But that stops there. Like we don't use it enough to justify keeping it. And and <laughs> like maybe reinjecting the fun into some help would have made more sense. I think a depreciating asset. I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. It's still the best camera out there. If it makes sense for the business. With the type of work that we started doing as a video production agency, just to explain to the audience, it doesn't really make sense. So it's like making calculated decision, like which is funny because last year, like I think it was the year I spent the less money in the business investing into new equipment because I realized we had everything. You don't need that much to do great, great work uh, in 2023 or even less in 2024. Just because the equipment gets better, you need it is more more efficient and smaller, so you need less. So I did use it on some shoots, but like it didn't pay off by itself last year. So here you go. <laughs> I just wanted to make you happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm just so stoked. <laughs> Finally, it took it took over a year to get him to admit this, but we got there eventually. 
just for context, I have told him so many times to sell that fucking camera. And yeah, it never did. But we got there. We got to the conclusion, which is so matter. And this, this, I think it, it'll be good to make a stop here for something because for a lot of people out there, they dream about owning a red camera, right? So it's it's going to cost whatever. It's, it's thousands of dollars. This one is particular. You know, let's say that you do want that camera. That's the best you can get, whatever it is. It's like $50,000 Australian AUD. Who, what would you say to someone that is literally been putting money away for this thing? Let's say that they are even at 10K per month, whatever, and they've been putting this money away to finally one day get that red camera. What would you say to them? And their goals, keeping in mind that their goals is to actually uh, create or build a, a million dollar video production business. The type of work that they do as well is what 99% of video agencies, marketing agencies do, which is basically social media content for high level businesses. Every now and then they might do a brand story or, you know, they have passion projects, documentary, whatever, but that's not bringing money. Um, what would you say to that person? I love gear discussion. Uh, <laughs> we had one last time. I think it's it, it really depends what you're trying to achieve with the business. Um, like the shift that we had with Blue Media this year means that we work very differently on the content that we produce and the outcome that we deliver. Therefore, that's where like that camera doesn't make sense. We could have chosen another path, and this is why I had this camera, two cameras actually, from Red, because I wanted to do more high-end cinematography kind of work for documentaries that would go on Netflix. Or, um, and this is still a goal of mine, still at the back of my head, and still going to happen. I know it. Just right now, at this moment in time, running the, the content production that we are doing at the moment with Blue Media is just doesn't make any sense. So I think like anything, thinking you're running a business, the business needs to be able to run with or without you, right? And it needs as well a lot of like decisions around, yeah, business decisions. Like, you know, what's the best path to move forward? And so I think my thinking now is a lot more structured in a way. Every investment that we make, is it going to bring me back the money, into, whether it's time or anything? Mm -hmm. so, so you have to ask yourself the question. Like if you're starting, you're just like, oh, should I invest like all, sorry, all in, into a, a red camera or, or, or buy like three Sonys that I can use as a multi-cam for a podcast setup? What what is going to get, get me the best return on investment, right? If you, if you do narrative and uh, cinematography and you're running as like a DOP running everywhere with your gear as a, as a first AC and you want your camera, yeah, maybe that makes sense because you can charge for the camera for, for other types of jobs. Like a Sony S7S3 or anything now, like even the smaller cameras are shooting 4K, S-Log3, 10-bit. Well, what, what else do you need? You're going to post on social media. It's even looking great on TV. Like lots of documentaries are now shot on those and you wouldn't tell the difference. Mm -hmm. So so it's 
Yeah, I think having that question, I question yourself every time before you buy something. Is it going to make my money back? Or is it just like, oh, I just want it because it's cool, you know? And and like thinking business first rather than I want this because it looks cool. That's that's the, the, the main recommendation. Now, again, I think they still have a place and it's going to be very hard for me to, <laughs> there you go. I hope that answers the questions. Yeah, no, that's really good. And I completely agree. There's a specific 0.5% of people that will need that because their business is actually, you know, maybe being a, a famous DP and whatever they, they want to have, they need to have that best camera because they're making high-end production films and, you know, the people are requiring him to have the red and whatever. Like there will be very specific cases where, yes, that will become a quote-unquote asset to your specific business for 99% of video production, podcast agencies, video marketing businesses, whatever it is, you do not need a red camera. Getting a red camera is a really bad decision. It will cost you a ton of money. It actually will make your life harder because it's a bigger camera. It's a more complex camera. It requires more expensive gear to even operate it. To even make it work, you require much better glass. Because also, if you buy a red camera and then you put a shitty lens, that's like buying like a Lamborghini and put the cheapest wheels ever. So it, it makes no sense. You're kind of like contradicting yourself in this. So you basically are going to have to spend, it will be a lot more than just the 50000 mm. So... And then on top of that, it makes your work your workflow harder. It's heavier files. It takes longer to pass through your computer. If you have to deliver things faster and then you have to drop an SD card to you, your three SD cards, let's say, because you have three of them or whatever, and you have to drop that to your editor and he has to offload that footage, you're going to eat hard drives like a monster. So again, overall, everywhere you look at it, is shit. It's all to, you know, yes, it's going to help you impress the filmmaker community. You will get a lot of people asking you about the camera. It's going to look cool in your BTS. It's not going to make you more money. That's the reality of it. It's, it's actually, it's going to put you in debt because that's the other thing. Most people will not be able to afford it. But guess what they will do? They will get a loan to buy the fucking camera, right? And that loan has interest and all this shit. So basically, you're just digging a hole into debt instead of putting that money. Even if you put that to the S&P 500, it's a 10x better decision for, for that. So uh, uh, all around, terrible fucking idea to buy a red camera. Again, unless you are from that very specific minor percent of people that will actually... Be get benefits out of having it. I think we didn't mention, but like you can always hire your gear. Exactly. And, exactly. And, and you don't have to support the world, not only the world investment, going to the bank, eventually getting a loan or using your cash and the depreciation on the equipment, which is quite, quite terrible. Like horrible. Or horrible, especially now. Like the, the camera brands are releasing a new camera every what now like i don't yeah. even know where we are with sony yeah <laughs> i have no idea i don't no, no idea but i can tell you that eventually there will be another one and the camera the the value of your camera just plummets mm -hmm. as soon as a new camera comes out lenses it is a great investment that lasts many many years Absolutely. but yeah like, like like i said be it, like g was saying be very very mindful on when you invest into camera gear that's one of my early on mistakes as well was 
was not really assessing mm -hmm. the things that I needed to run my business, the things that were going to bring me. Yes, I was buying things just based on, is this going to bring joy? And you always try to justify it logically. So you will go like, yeah, oh, if I ever get, I bought a water housing. Ask me how many times the water housing has gone in the water. How many times have you used it? Less than 10. Probably, if I just off the top of my mind, less than 10. Whoa. Yes, the shots I got with it, I love it. I love it so much when I use it. I'm so stoked, all the stuff. Ask me if the water housing was a great investment. No, it wasn't. It was thousands of dollars lost into just fulfilling that little thing of, I want to get that underwater shot at the highest level mm -hmm. or whatever it was. Terrible investment, especially for my business. Unless we make an underwater podcast, <laughs> that's a terrible freaking oh, investment, which will be cool. So yeah. if someone wants to do that, let me know. We can <laughs> we can make it happen. Uh, but yeah, just just be more mindful of when you buy gear. How is this gear gonna help you make more money? How is this gonna benefit your workload? Is it if it's a computer because you're still doing proxies and all this stuff? Well. A computer will actually help you get faster, right? Get more efficient, hate less sitting down to edit because it's gonna be, the work is gonna be more consistent in, instead of lagging too much. So potentially it could be a better investment. If you should buy it new, that's a whole nother story, right? You have the secondhand market as well. That is a great market for cameras, for laptops, for all these things. So yeah, definitely just be more critical, I would say when investing into gear because most of the time, we are buying the wrong things. That's that's what I caught myself doing, coming to the realization that most of the time I was just buying the wrong things. And today, I don't give a fuck about buying the best gear. We already have too much of the best. So when I do, I usually try to, you know, because I want that work that we're producing to be the best it can be. And sometimes it's that 0.5% of a lens or whatever. I'll invest it in if I see that this will help us make more money and just stand out a tiny bit more and whatever. But again, it's it's more, it, ha it really has to be an asset and I have to really justify. I don't go like I used to do of just buying something straight away. Even it, like Alex, you know, our, our main editor and filmmaker, he was telling me, can you please buy a second pair of headphones? I procrastinated so much, a pair of headphones, you know, it was like, like 180 or something. I was just not doing it because I was like, I need to know that we're really going to use this thing and it's not going to be sitting down on a desk and all this stuff. Until it got to a point where I'm like, yeah, okay, we're really like splitting ourselves too much, sharing two headphones, whatever. Okay, let's get it. You know, but that's at the point that we are. I really need to justify because I'd rather put the money into the team. I'd rather put the money into the ad spend. I'd rather put the money into, you know, anything that will actually help us get closer to our main goal. So... I think, yeah, that's the critical point. Is It's not just about buying gear or anything. It's thinking business from a business perspective, okay? Like, even though I'm thinking about the younger self, like our, our younger versions, what we were thinking is we could make videos and edit and do that our whole life. Yes, I still love doing it. Now, at some point, you'll get tired. I mean, by that, I mean, the only way to grow a business like this when you're working by yourself is just to get on more work. You can get more expensive. Like, and we, we, we did it. Like we, we were, we started charging, you know, like a thousand bucks for a video all the way to nearly like $50,000. 
the only thing with that is that you need the only way you can keep going is spinning the hamster wheel. Mm. And I think like thinking very early on that, you know what, that money that you spend in the gear, because I want to be mindful, like, you know, like you, you said something at the beginning that was, <clears throat> we already have too much gear. We already have all the gear. Mm. Think about someone today who has nothing, who is getting started, mm. like mm -hmm. very early on. Yeah, they don't have all the gear. They will need to make investments. Mm. Well, like what we mean by that is try to be very strategic every time you make a purchase, mm. whether or not okay, is it going to help the business? Is it going to serve the, like the long-term, like, you know, adventure you're going to have with the business? Or like, should you maybe get some help so that you can get the next client? And by help, I mean, like getting someone else to film and eventually like come with a camera themselves and you mm -hmm. can hire them, they come and you don't support the cost of $5,000 for a new camera, just a new body and, and try to think this way. Now you've got not only someone helping you, but you get time to get your next client. Mm -hmm. And and that means you just use leverage because it's not just you anymore. It's mm -hmm. it's someone else helping you. You get the new client. I'm like, oh, but this time I can hire two people to help me do a job. Yep. And and having that dissociation early on with, well, anyone can make videos. I'm sorry, your videos are not better. <laughs> like it's, yeah, they're like five percent better. What does it mean business-wise? Nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing. It's not going to get you to 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 like have a very profitable business mm -hmm. just by making your best videos. Like it it will it will. Like you don't make shitty videos either. Mm -hmm. But like you, there is a minimum standard. You are talking about standard. Mm -hmm. The bar is set very low. Once you get to that bar, think bigger than that. Mm -hmm. Like some of the most successful. Like we talked to some business person recently mm -hmm. this year. Like if I were and like oh maybe they are listening. Maybe they are not. Mm -hmm. But their videos are not really good. They are not the best filmmakers. Wait, wait, who are we talking about? At the workshop. Yeah, okay. But <laughs> he mm. was, like, his videos are shocking. He's, he's making, there is one person, member of the group, who is, mm. who is making, like, he's, I think he's close to his Even <laughs> videos are shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, even him, like, even yeah. the person whose videos are not the best is yeah. saying that these guys' videos are yeah. terrible. terrible. And he's closing on <laughs> He's probably a because as we speak now, yeah, on a retainer basis, yeah. Right. So that's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, stop, stop procrastinating on making like the best quality videos. Yeah. Like if, you, again, it depends what you want to do. But like, if you want to run a business, make money, and grow and support your family, uh, you have to be very strategic with this. And mm -hmm. that I think that's the mindset that shift that I had this year, thinking, you know what, I can't keep spinning the hamster wheel. Mm. I have to think bigger. I have to think leverage. Like what Navar Ravikant says. Awesome. Use how to use leverage to your advantage. Mm. Because a one person, yes, you can do a lot and you can do even more because you've got AI this year that came and that's a big change from last year. Uh, you, the softwares are becoming more efficient. The cameras are better. The computers are faster. So you can do a lot more yourself. But it doesn't mean you have to do everything yourself. And like focusing on the value-added task and leaving the rest and building a team around that is like is the way to go. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that's a good note to have this episode. So we're going to continue. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a thumbs up, subscribe on the YouTube channel, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. And make sure to tune in for part two of this conversation on our next episode. See you on the next one.
My goal for this podcast is to help 1 million creative entrepreneurs make more money, have more impact, and create their ultimate reality. The best way for you to support this mission is by sharing the podcast with anyone you think will find it valuable. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on all social media platforms at The Creator Grid and at Creator Nelson. I will see you at the top.